here to join us this morning. We are in week three of six in a series called Defy. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Matthew, the 12th chapter. We're going to be hanging out there in Matthew 12. Um, if you need a Bible or a study guide, we got uh, guest concessions. Um, that's what we call it. It's free. I don't know why we use the word concessions, but it feels like that. So you're at the ballpark, grab a hot dog and a Bible. Um, if you need a study guide for the series, those are available as well. Um, study guides are what we use as our uh, sermon-based curriculum for our small groups, our life groups. Um, so we're going to be in Matthew 12, in verses 9 through 21. Uh, what you've got printed in front of you probably says 15 through. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for rocking that out on guitar as well. We're going to be in uh, verses 9 through 21. Uh, most of what you probably have that's printed says 15. Uh, we need to go back to verse 9 for some context for uh, today's sermon. This is week 3 of 6 in Defy. And we're working in six weeks through the book of uh, Matthew to trace the theme of uh, defiance against the world's principles and structures. Uh, we're tracing this theme of open resistance to the world's structures and principles and how Jesus uh, in particular... Um, a little exception to that was John the Baptist last week, but mostly we're tracing how Jesus was in open resistance to the world's ways, the world's means. And if he hadn't been defiant of that, if he didn't have this sort of holy defiance against how the world tries to shape us and to shape him, his mission of the cross for us would not have happened. Uh, so this is important stuff that we're looking at because we want to follow him to the cross uh, as we approach Easter and then, of course, ultimately resurrection. So... Um, Get ready for that. We're going to read that in just um, a minute here, Matthew 12, 9 through 21. Um, but I want to mention a few things first before we jump into that. Uh, first thing, something we'd like to say here at First Christian is the kids matter. Um, kids matter because we have a responsibility to disciple them, to teach them about Jesus. And there are dozens uh, and dozens. Actually, we, we've been having 90 plus, sometimes 100 plus kids most weeks on Sunday mornings. And so we want to steward the responsibility of taking care of them well. Um, I'm saying all that. Kids matter because we've got a kids matter we need to talk about. <laughs> um, in basic terms... That's funny to me. Um, <laughs> um, we need more adult help downstairs uh, with our kiddos. We have tons of kids, uh, and we need to divide up at least one class into two classes, um, both hours. Um, but we don't have enough teachers to do that yet, so we need some adult help to jump in and do that. So um, we'll go ahead and just wait while you guys go ahead. I'm just kidding. <laughs> We'd be sitting here for an hour. Um, we need some of y'all to step up and, and help join us uh, with that. So if you're interested in that, um, see somebody in the hub later on, somebody with a name tag, uh, they'll help you out. Um, by the way, while we're at it, um, those of you who've been with us for a number of months, I know I'm talking a mile a minute, but we've got a lot to cover because I want to get to Jesus and Matthew here. Um, we have been without a kidsmen director, a children's ministry person for the last many months. Um, Kim Clark, who was with us for seven years full time, um, is no longer in that position. Um, she's been taking care of her parents and had some family things going on. Um, so we have been seeking for the right person to take over as family ministries director. Um, and, and we have a couple folks we're honing in on. Um, we believe the Lord leading us to. Um, not going to be a done deal in the next couple days or couple weeks, but in a month to two months or so, we think we're honing in on the right person. Um, and it may feel to you like, why is this taking forever? Uh, we're being picky. 
Uh, we want to be intentional about getting the right person uh, for the right job for us uh, to do a great job taking care of our kids and, and loving on volunteers. Um, so that's why it's taking a little bit. We'll let you know more as we know more in the uh, coming weeks. Uh, next Steps began last Sunday. Um, and Next Steps is four weeks, happens every Sunday at 9 a.m. Uh, sort of vision for what God wants to do with us as a church and how you and that vision can come together so that you'll know what your next step of growth in faith here at First Christian Church looks like. It goes like this, first through fourth Sundays are those of the seven habits there. Um, Today we did connect in a small group, uh, and it was cool because in those tables... the, the people who were there sort of experienced kind of what like what, what a small group for us is like. Um, they went through the study guide from last week and had some time talking through those questions. So you get to kind of experience what it's like. So come to that next week, if you would, please. Last thing before we get into Jesus and Matthew is um, that we publicly launch with what we call Regeneration Recovery on Monday, April 2nd. Uh, we've been starting that with a bunch of folks in our pilot sort of beta testing group. Um, we have 55 folks who are still going through that now. And uh, regeneration recovery is uh, the traditional 12 steps model of recovery, but it's infused with gospel-centric, Christ-centered identity at the root of it. Um, it's about developing a relationship with God um, that that helps us with those habits, hurts, and hang-ups. And, uh, and, and, and even if you're like... Substance abuse isn't my thing. Hey, come on along. It wasn't mine either. Um, but, but there's something that is an idol um, that, is, uh, that is keeping you from developing further in your relationship with God um, that the scriptures want to help you with. So um, if you've been a Christian your whole life, um, it's helpful. Um, if you've got something going on in your life um, that you need some help with, we'd like to come alongside with, uh, with you in that. Uh, let me just say this. We're going to show a video in a little bit. Much later. Not like just now. Sorry to scare you. <laughs> later on in the service. We're going to show a video um, that is a testimony of somebody who's been through Regen. Um, as somebody who struggled with pornography years ago, um, a 10-year addiction to pornography for me was, was, was stopped by something like Regen. Uh, we're a place where if this is the kind of thing um, that's not on your heart that you need to work through, I'm going to come alongside with you uh, and, and help you with that. So Regeneration Recovery is... And it's good stuff, peeps. Uh, We'd love for you to join us in that. Let's go ahead and pray after we read Matthew 12, (laughs) 9 through 21. Trying to get ahead of myself. Went too long, first service. Matthew 12, 9 through 21 says this. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? so that they might accuse him. He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take a hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved 
with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will he, nor, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Lord God, we pause in the quiet of this moment to focus our hearts and our minds on your lordship, on your sovereignty, on your goodness, on the fullness of your character as creator of the universe who is altogether good and holy. Lord, we're gathered as your people to submit ourselves to the truth that you are God and that you have plans for our lives. Teach us what those are, Lord. Give us a vision for defying the world's ways and means, for saying no to the sideways energy and the others, other missions around us that tempt us to keep our focus on ourselves and not on you. Lord, teach us from the example of your son, Jesus what it means to defy the conventions around us uh, so that we can find our purpose and our meaning and our mission in a forever relationship with you where we follow you to the cross and we experience resurrection. Lord, teach us from your word as we submit to it. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So many years ago, uh, true story, uh, there was a new pastor at a church where they did communion every week, uh, just like we do if you're new here, first timer, expect communion. Um, they did communion every week, new pastor at this church, um, except they were Episcopalians or uh, Lutherans because they had actual wine there. So um, don't expect that. They were scandalous lushes. So the new pastor at this church, taken over, is approached by the old pastor. And, and, and the old pastor brings the new pastor and says, okay, there's this important ritual you've got to know about communion. You've got, you got to get this right. You do not want to mess this up. Older guy talking to the younger guy, trying to protect him, say, hey, get ready for this. Promise me, he says, promise me you will follow my instructions exactly, Okay. Well, that was a weird introduction, <laughs> and the new pastor uh, sort of wondered what kind of craziness he had gotten himself into, and uh, he said, okay, what is it? So every Sunday, as you are serving the elements of communion, right after you pray over them and right before you hand them to the servers, you must take the bread and the cup. You must take uh, the tray and the cup, and you've got to walk over to the heat register. It was over on this side, true story. You've got to walk over to the heat register on the right side, and you've got to touch it with the tray and the cup before you hand it to the servers so they can distribute it. <laughs> New pastor's like, okay, why? The old pastor says, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I do know it's a thing. And Pastor Jim, who came before me, before I got here, did it, so you've got to keep doing it because everybody will expect it. So the new pastor did as he was told, 
And every Sunday for the first number of Sundays, went over, prayed for the elements, went over, took it over to the heat register and touched it with the elements before he gave it to be distributed. So after a few weeks of doing that, it began to bother him. And so this new pastor uh, went to Pastor Jim, who was two pastors before him. At this point, Pastor Jim was well beyond retirement. And he asked, Pastor Jim, why do I have to take the communion elements and go over to the heat register and touch it with the tray and the cup before I hand it to the servers? Pastor Jim's like, touch the heat register. Son, 40 years ago, before we had central heat and air, the only reason I walked over there is because it wouldn't always kick on before the service. And it just seemed like a natural time in the service to touch the register to make sure it was on. (laughs) True story. If If you aren't constantly asking, if you aren't constantly asking, why you are doing something. You don't know why you are doing something. It's a risk we all run in life. It's a risk we run in our marriages, in our families, with our parenting, as a church. Listen, Jesus knew why he did what he did. Now, many around him also knew why he did what he did, uh, but many around him didn't. Which is why some around him got angry, like we read in Matthew. You see, in Jesus' day, there were lots of sort of heat register regulations that had outlived their usefulness. Jesus stepped onto a religious scene that was filled uh, with conventional methods that weren't being carried out for the reasons they were started in the first place. And they had stopped asking why a long time ago. They just got used to going over the heat register. In our passage today, Jesus defies convention. He goes against some well-worn practices that were assumed to be sacred in order to regain their original purpose. I mean, we're talking Jesus knew full well what he was doing, and so did everybody else around him. He defied convention in a way that makes things that we understand as defying convention most of the time seem pretty pale in comparison. These are folks who understood clearly that Jesus was bringing it in a way that felt radical to their conventions, to their man-made ways, to their traditions, to the way they They did what they thought God had for them to do. Jump in with me at Matthew chapter 12, the ninth verse. A lot of good stuff for us to learn about what it means to defy convention along with Jesus. First verse says this. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. Like many of the gospel stories, the first verse, the introduction Got a lot to it. So we're going to press pause here for some quick context about verse 9. It says, he went on from there and entered their synagogue. You see, Jesus had been going from city to city in that region of Galilee. He had been preaching the coming of the kingdom of God. He had been performing miracles. He had been healing people. And as he did those things, he was gaining quite a following. And the Jewish religious teachers of the law, the Pharisees, as we'll see, they began to notice the following that Jesus was beginning to have. And they did not take kindly to this preacher and this miracle worker sort of getting all up in their business. So what does Jesus do? 
What does Jesus do in response to the Pharisees getting pretty hot and bothered that he was gaining a following among the people, that he was proclaiming the gospel and healing them? Matthew tells us, he says right there, he entered their synagogue. He went right into the Pharisees' own territory. And Matthew says he entered their synagogue. He uses that phrase four or five times in the gospel as a way to say, listen, in essence, the spirits left the building. No, really. He means the spirits left the building. He entered their synagogue. Listen, Jesus knows exactly what he was doing here. Watch this. He entered their synagogue, verse 10, and a man was there with a withered hand. Probably just means skin disease, paralysis, nothing life-threatening. And they asked him, verse 10, Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Sabbath was Saturday. It was the day for Jewish worship and rest. And there were lots of uh, sort of heat register regulations surrounding this Sabbath thing. So they asked him, knowing full well what they were doing and what they were asking of Jesus. They said, hey, listen, Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Matthew adds this sort of parenthetical statement so that they might accuse him (laughs) to fill in the gaps in case we're not tracking. So the answer to their question is technically yes. You can, according to a very generic, strict interpretation of law, you can heal on the Sabbath, but only according to their regulations, according to the Pharisees, only if it was life-threatening. Only if it was life-threatening could you and should you go ahead and heal on the Sabbath. According to their interpretation of the Jewish law, according to their code of ethics, according to their conventional heat register regulations, it was okay if it was life-threatening. This wasn't life-threatening. This was a dude with a messed up hand, paralysis of some type, uh, some sort of skin disease. Uh, So this is obviously a setup. (laughs) And Jesus knows it's a setup. So let's set the scene here again and sort of realize what's going on here. Jesus enters what Matthew calls their synagogue, which is his way of describing it as enemy territory. He does that four or five times in the book of Matthew. Jesus enters their synagogue and he does so Knowing full well the Pharisees do not like the following that Jesus is gaining. And what do you know? There's this guy with a messed up hand. Not life-threatening. So they goad Jesus. They goad Jesus into sort of considering something uh, that he, that they, the Pharisees, and all the people watching knew was, quote, illegal according to the Pharisees' traditions. Think about this. I mean, this is, this is their synagogue. They wanted to know if this Jesus guy was going to follow their traditions. The Pharisees see Jesus coming. They know he's gaining a following. They say, okay, prove yourself, Messiah. Don't come here claiming to be son of God. If you're not going to track with our methods, Jesus, <laughs> don't come in our turf, talk and game. If you're not going to play by our rules, listen, Jesus, this is our house, our house. Jesus knows the stakes here. And so he says this verse 11, intentionally defying convention. This is great. No no normal human comes up with this. We're not smart enough for this. He says this, verse 11. In direct response to their question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He says this, verse 11. Which 
one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Come on. Which one of you, (laughs) if you owned a sheep and it's Sabbath and it's in a pit, which one of you would not go take it out? Silence. (laughs) And then Jesus says this. He's so good. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? Jesus, in effect, is saying, listen, Creator God made man and woman in His own image. They they can speak to and hear from God. They can have a relationship with God. This sheep cannot. And which one of you wouldn't go rescue your sheep? And yet you're going to prevent me from ministering to this person that God made. You're going to try to keep me from healing this man made in God's image and precious to the Father because of your regulations? He says, (laughs) of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So, it is lawful (laughs) to do good on the Sabbath. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. He very intentionally and he very explicitly defies their convention, their rules, their traditions, the ways they know their house works. Don't come in here, Jesus, telling us that you're going you're gonna to make, make something different of this place. This is our house. So knowing full well what he's doing and the stakes of the matter, here's why he defies their convention. This is the reason why. It's about mission. Verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. Boom. Jesus heals him. The Son of God has arrived, bringing the power of God. And in this moment where, where, where everybody around, the Pharisees included, should say, the kingdom of God is here now. Have you seen what he just did? Matthew reports the opposite happens. Look at verse 14. But instead of acknowledging the obvious reality of the coming of kingdom of God in Jesus, the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Notice the obvious contrast here in these two verses, from verse 13 to verse 14. Matthew is a master storyteller here, and he's shown us a clear contrast between the Pharisees' plot to kill and Jesus' mission to heal. Sometimes our man-made regulations, as Jesus says, makes people twice the sons of Satan than before they came, if we're not careful. The mission is for people (laughs) to find and follow Jesus. Now, Jesus knows that the Pharisees, the conventional religious powers that be, Jesus knows they're after his head. So, keep reading. Verse 15, aware of this, aware of the plot to destroy him, he withdraws from there, which, let's grant, it's a pretty conventional thing to do. (laughs) I would have too. 
Uh, convention sometimes is wisdom. So it's convention with a purpose. Keep reading. Many followed him. And I love this. He healed them all. Which, quick pause here, is hilarious to me. It's like, hey, you're not, you're not going to find what you need in their synagogue. Come with me. I'll heal you all. Like, are we preaching yet? Jesus says, come with me and I will heal every last one of you who wants healing. Let me show you why I'm doing what I'm doing. Let me show you why I defy their conventions. Keep reading. Many followed him and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. Now, this may seem like a little bit of a weird thing uh, for Jesus to say here, um, but it's with a good reason. There's this there's a theme that especially happens in Matthew and Mark um, of what we call the messianic secret. Um, as Jesus was beginning his ministry, he said, shh, 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 just chill out about it. Don't don't let everybody know. Let's let's <laughs> calm down a little bit. He's saying, don't let everybody know about me just yet. What I'm doing here as the Messiah doesn't move forward in the typical ways. What I'm doing, you're not really totally ready to understand quite yet. What I'm doing, he's saying, as the suffering servant who will die for you, that so entirely defies expectations that if that gets out too soon, too fast, it will limit my ability to reach people. So let's not get me killed too early. (laughs) That's kind of what Jesus is saying. Okay, now let me say that again. It's a little bit complicated because I want you to, to think about this. Let, it, let this simmer for a second here. Here's the scenario. <laughs> Jesus, who clearly understood his own role as a suffering servant, he wanted to stick around as long as possible in order to reach as many as possible all the while knowing, fully aware, that for him, that would mean more suffering. When we say Jesus loves you, this is what we mean. All the while knowing that the longer he's alive, the more he's going to suffer. If you want to know if Jesus loves you, Just go back to, let's keep it down for a bit. Let's keep this this healing thing at bay. I want to heal you. I want to help you. But don't tell everybody yet. I've got more to reach. Do you think Jesus didn't care? His mission was to save us. So he ordered them not to make him known. This is an upside-down method of ministry and mission. And it's explained here in the next verses. Look at this. This was to fulfill this idea of of Jesus saying, hey, let's keep it on the DL so I can continue to reach more, even though it means more suffering. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. A prophet's a mouthpiece for God, talks for God before the people. Isaiah speaking on behalf of God, verse 18, this is what is to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant, God speaking about the Messiah who was to come, 
which was Jesus. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. And this is his purpose. He will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Now, let me summarize a bunch of Bible passages in history. Uh, real quickly here. This is sort of like at the end of the movie when they're like, I'm not sure how to make the story go together, so I'm going to put a two-minute video that puts years into like two minutes. And, and, and some of this may sound like a little bit of gobbledygook to some of you if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, but I want to say it plainly. So here it is because it's in the text, uh, and it's part of the lesson for us today, so I'm going to address it this way. Matthew says that Jesus' words here about being the suffering servant, which is from that passage in Isaiah, that they were to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant, God speaking about the Messiah, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, to the nations. At this point in Jewish history, and this is a point that's made clearer toward the end of the Old Testament, the Jews ran the risk and they did what we run the risk of doing. Not all of them, but, but, but many of them had largely rejected this mission of being a light to the nations. Of being a light to those who weren't in. And Isaiah says that the Messiah came to proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Which was, to say the least, an unconventional method an unconventional mission uh, that the Jews as a people had largely rejected, not entirely, but most of them thought their own holiness would bring the kingdom of God and that their perfection would bring the Messiah. They couldn't even conceive of needing a Messiah to atone for their personal sins. Most of the Jews wanted to do them sell, do that process themselves. Thank you very much. You sound like many of us. So it says he, Jesus, the Messiah, will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. It's a way of saying that Jesus's mission was unconventional in that it was directed to all who knew they needed justice from above. They could not achieve for themselves. Jesus' mission was so unconventional because it was directed to all who knew they needed justice from above that they could not achieve for themselves. So Jesus' mission defied convention in a whole bunch of ways. Its purpose and even how he carried it out its purpose was for all. It wasn't just for God's special people. And it didn't happen in the ways they expected. It defied convention, to say the least, in its means, in its methods. Which is why it says this, verse 19. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, speaking of the suffering servant, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets, Meaning when he is falsely accused, you won't hear him complain. A bruised reed he will not break. He will bend but not break. A smoldering wick he will not quench. His light will flicker, but it's not going to go out. So this is how, this is the unconventional method that he brings justice 
to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. It's in his name, the nations will hope. The unconventional mission of the Messiah was hope for the nations that required unconventional methods. The unconventional method of being a self-sacrificing servant. Jesus entered their synagogue. He healed a man illegally, at least according to their standards, because people are more important than policies. And when our policies serve us rather than the people they're intended to heal and help, it's time to change policies. When our policies serve us rather than the people who need healing and hope, It's time to change policies. There are lots of lessons we can draw out from this today. Lots of lessons. People are the mission. (laughs) We hear about people. Helping people find and follow Jesus. We must always assess why we're doing what we're doing. The kingdom moves forward. Not in conventional ways, but through self-sacrifice. Welcome to church and following Jesus. The kingdom moves forward not through self-preservation, but in giving of self. A church system of fake religiosity turns people into Pharisees instead of missionaries. There are lots of lessons we could draw out. But I want to try and incorporate a lot of these lessons by asking us one question as we end here today. We'll incorporate them by asking this one main question. What convention, uh, what typical worldly way, means, principle, what convention are you embracing that keeps you from people who need the kingdom of God and ministering to them? What convention are you embracing that keeps you from healing people like Jesus did here on the Sabbath? Maybe the convention you're embracing is uh, sleeping in on Sundays when you need to serve. <laughs> when we need somebody downstairs with the kids. Or, 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 or knowing that you need to be a part of next steps to learn about how this place works and, and how you can grow. Uh, maybe your MO is the fear of trying new relationships. Welcome to being human. Uh, maybe your MO is the fear of trying new relationships and that keeps you from experiencing the kind of Christian community that you desperately need by connecting in a small group. That's a way to defy convention. Uh, maybe you're embracing, uh, embracing, embracing, that's good. No, that'll make sense in a second. Maybe you're embracing romance novels. Um, or pornography instead of the word of God that feeds your soul. Uh, maybe you're hoarding finances as a method of worldly security in the here and now. Maybe you're clinging to your comfort zone of not coming forward for baptism or membership because you fear others around you publicly hearing you say Jesus is Lord and Savior. It's time for us to defy convention for some of us. Maybe... Maybe for you it's refusing to lead when you've been asked. Saying no to what you know is the next step for you. We all need to be assessing what we're doing, why we're doing it. We need to be assessing why we're not fruitfully engaged. 
and this is the reality for some of us, why we're not fruitfully engaged in God's mission for the lost. Some of us need to be asking ourselves that question. What worldly goal or idol do you have that motivates you holding on to the convention that keeps you from mission? What are you getting out of it? What are you getting out of that conventional method that's keeping you from achieving God's best for you and for his lost sheep that he came to save? I think it's helpful to name the lesser goals in our lives and crucify them for the sake of gospel mission and for the sake of becoming who God made you to be because only in that will you ever find peace and satisfaction and contentment and joy this side of heaven. How's it been working for you so far with your own mission? Defy the conventional lesser goals that ultimately revolve around your undeserved glory. Man, that's good. Tweet that. We should be defying the conventional lesser goals that ultimately revolve around our undeserved glory. And instead, find satisfaction in the mission of following Jesus to the cross. Ask yourself, what sacred cow do I need to slay? (laughs) Or what heat register regulation do I need to put to rest? in order to accomplish the mission that God's given me. When what we do uh, isn't serving the mission of reaching those far from God, it's time to do something different. When what we do doesn't serve the mission of reaching those far from God, it's time to do something different. So what's your something different? Name it. (laughs) What Sabbath-keeping regulation in your life do you need to give up in order to enter into Jesus' mission of healing people and bringing justice to the nations? I'll close with this. Listen, Jesus gave up more than we could ever imagine so that we could have eternal life. Which means which means we are called to do the same with the grace he's given us that we don't deserve, to defy convention so that we can meaningfully participate in his mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. As you give yourself in faith and with courage to that holy defiance for God's purposes, you will experience life and joy. He promises it to you. Because friends, at the end of the story for all who follow Jesus is a resurrection that gives hope and life and joy to others. Let's pray, friends. Lord God, we're here because you love us and you sent us Jesus. We're here to highlight your goodness and glory the same way he highlighted yours. We pray a simple prayer, Lord, that you would help us to, in tangible terms and practical ways, answer this question of how it is um, that we are holding on to conventions in our lives uh, that keep us from mission. Lord, give us the strength and courage and boldness to say yes 
to following Jesus. Uh, We're grateful that you have given us all that we would ever need, that we have riches in Christ that are eternal. Um, So Lord, give us strength and courage, uh, drawing on your love for us in the person of Jesus uh, so that we would move forward in mission because of that.